Welcome to the Balanced CEO Podcast, where we have authentic conversations celebrating the successes of being an entrepreneur while acknowledging the challenges along the way. Join us every other Wednesday as we talk about all things business and life. Nothing is off limits. Here's your host, Askar, Sarah Lee, Taylor, and Aaron. Hello, CEOs. I hope you're having a wonderful day. Welcome to the Balance CEO Podcast. I am Askar Morso, CEO and founder of Anchors. In today's episode, we will be discussing how to master your finances like a boss. So let's get started. In fact, we have a very special guest for you in our CEO suite, the one and only Phyllis Johnson. Phyllis Johnson, owner and CEO, launched PKJ Consulting in 2015. PKJ Consulting is an accounting and consulting company for small businesses that provide accounting, bookkeeping, consulting, taxes, payroll, and startup services. She started her company because growing up in the Bay Area of California, she saw a lot of small businesses, especially startups, close due to the lack of resources, planning, and assistance. She became passionate about wanting to help small businesses. She holds a BS in business administration with a minor in accounting and finance from Pepperdine University, an MBA from UNLV with a focus on entrepreneurship management, and she holds a human resources certification. She decided to use all these skills she gained from working with small businesses along the knowledge she obtained with their schooling to start her own company to help other entrepreneurs and small business owners. Phyllis is dedicated to working with entrepreneurs and business owners. While her focus is primarily on providing accountant services, such as bookkeeping, payrolls, budgets, financial statements, and more, of course, let's not forget taxes, Phyllis draws on her experience in human resources and operations to really help small businesses in a myriad of issues they face. Her company serves as a one-stop shop for entrepreneurs and small businesses to help them grow and succeed. Isn't that amazing? She is a boss. So, Phyllis, how are you? I am doing amazingly well. How are you doing this morning? I am so good, and I'm so happy to have you return once again. And I'm just so blown away with you. Every single time we have a conversation, I am so blown away by you and everything you've done and all that you do as well. And to start us off in this conversation, I know that you've accomplished a lot as an entrepreneur and have made a name for yourself. One thing that really resonates with me has been your story. And I believe all our stories are the foundations of who we are and what we do. And I just want to, I know for the bio, I just shared briefly about who you are. I'd like for you to share more with the audience, a little bit more about your story and also how does money play a role in the individual's lives, especially those that you serve? Sure. So um, as you have stated before, I grew up in Bay Area, California, um, specifically Oakland. And my mother worked for the IRS for 30 years and my dad uh, worked at the Bank of America. So I came from a family um, who loved numbers. And one thing about growing up in the Bay Area is very heavily geared towards small business owners. So there are a lot of mom and pop shops. Um, And so, you know, walking down the street or going to San Francisco, you would see a lot of places open and a lot of places closed very quickly. 
And, you know, as a kid, you wouldn't really understand, you know, the reason why. Um, it wasn't until I started getting older and I started taking accounting courses when I was in high school that I understood that for the most part, it wasn't because someone wasn't good at being a seamstress or cooking food for the restaurant. It was because they didn't, you know, keep up with their tax filings or they didn't understand the operations or they didn't know, you know, as a restaurant owner, how to estimate, you know, their costs in terms of, you know, profit and employees. So it was really, they closed because of money and not because they weren't amazing at what they did. Um, and so, you know, I went to Pepperdine University, got my bachelor's degree, and um, always said I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And that always sounds like a great idea. Um, but of course, most of us go into corporate America. So I moved to Vegas um, when I was in my 20s, got my master's degree, worked for um, a lot of small businesses. Um, and one thing that I was always interested in, even though I love numbers, I was interested in learning about the bigger picture. Um, so I would be interested in learning about how the sales department worked and how the customer service department worked and how all that integrated with me as an accountant or, you know, also doing HR. Um, one of my last positions, I started off doing accounting and then I was also hired to do HR as well. And my mom had sent me this book that I made when I was eight years old. <laughs> um, and then she, she was cleaning out the house and she sent me this book that I wrote. And then also some of my papers from when I was back in high school. And they all pretty much said the same thing. You know, I wanted to do accounting for small business owners. So it was always my dream ever since I was eight years old to kind of just work for myself. Um, and so I was working at this job. I was going there seven o'clock in the morning. I wasn't getting off till seven o'clock at night. And I, at that point, within a couple of months, I was running the, I was over HR. I was accounting. I was over the sales team, even though I had no sales experience like that. I was also doing IT um, and I was doing customer service. So I was kind of doing a lot of stuff for this small business, which allowed me to learn. Um, but one thing is I was missing my daughter because I wasn't able to take her to school and I wasn't able to pick her up from school. So, you know, for me, that is my why. Um, why I, you know, do what I do is for my daughter, but I wasn't able to spend time with her. So I, in essence, you know, made the decision that it was time for me to, you know, stop talking about what I wanted to do and go for it. Um, and so I gave my notice at this, at this job and I gave myself six months and said, you know, starting from now, starting from start over zero, you know, I mean, for me, I wasn't, you know, corporate America wasn't that the pay wasn't good because I was doing accounting and HR and everything else. Um, so when you go from that to, you know, being an entrepreneur, they don't teach you all the different aspects of how to get going. Uh, so I tell myself six months, if it doesn't work out in six months and I, you know, go back and get a job. Um, and I think one thing that tied into me in terms of finances that it didn't make the situation stressful is because I had already saved up six months of finances to make sure to always cover my household expenses. So that's kind of the backstory of, you know, how I started the process. And um, one of the benefits of making sure I, my finance, my personal finances were stable before I made that journey. Wow, that's such an amazing um, story. And somehow your story is somehow what other people want to do as well. They want to quit their job and pursue this entrepreneurship, which goes into my next question. What are some common mistakes that you have seen entrepreneurs make when it comes to their finances? And what should they avoid? Like you say, sometimes people are like, hey, I'm just going to quit my job and I hope this works out. But I see that you clearly had a plan, you had money saved up. So what are some of the mistakes that you've seen 
in the work that you do with entrepreneurs and how as entrepreneurs, we can avoid that mistake if we want to start our business and take that chance or in general, when we're running our businesses as well. So when you're in startup mode, I think the most important part is assess who you are and what you are and what you have. And the reason I say that is, you know, if you are a single person, you have no kids, no husband, boyfriend, whatever, it's just you. I mean, you can just quit your job and just go for it because you can eat noodles. You know, you hear the stories, people starting a business, they eat, you know, a couple of noodles for a year and then they made it. That's great if you're in your 20s and you have no responsibilities. However, for the most part, you know, when people start their business, if you have a house note, a car note, you know, kids, a spouse, then it becomes important that you make sure that if you're going to make this leap, you know, if you're making income and you're deciding you're going to go from that to nothing, um, you know, unless you have a rich uncle, you don't immediately start to make money. So the first thing I say is assess where you are currently in your finances. How much money are you making? You know, what are you giving up? And are you upfront and clear about the change that's going to happen for you to make your dream come true? Because it does affect other people around you. And sometimes we forget about that. Um, you know, for me, when I work with clients, one of the things that they talk about is that, you know, when they're in startup mode, their significant other is not encouraging them because the person's not making money anymore. So it's really important to look at your finances and how your decision is going to affect you as a whole. So that's why I said it's important to save up three to six months of income so that when you do make this decision, you're still able to maintain a basic level of stability as you go along with your journey. Um, so for me, I had already wanted to start my business for years. I kept talking about it. So, and I, you know, so I'd already started saving money. Um, the second thing that you should do if you're in startup mode or if you're already up and running is you need to have a budget. You need to have goals, you know? So how much money do you plan to make? If you are a services-based business and you want to start a marketing company, well, how many clients are you trying to get in the first month? How many clients do you need in the third month? In the sixth month? How much on average do you feel like you're going to charge? Those are numbers that you need to understand because that's going to be the key to making sure you're making enough revenue. Um, on the flip side, expenses. You know, No matter what type of business you have, you're going to need a phone. You're going to need a computer. You're going to need internet. You're going to need an email service. Um, you're going to need a website. You, all of these things cost money. So you need to, before you just jump into it, you know, how much is this stuff going to cost you? You need to create a budget and you need to set hardcore goals at any time in your business every single year. Um, so for me, I set goals on a monthly basis of what I want my income to be. Um, it's not the same every single month, you know, for March, April, and even May, you know, mine's is based on tax season. So my, those months are going to be significantly higher than let's just say like a July where I want to travel a little bit more and slow down somewhat. So um, that is one of the most important things to do, no matter where you are in your business is to, you know, make sure you have money saved up and also a budget and forecast goals that you're trying to accomplish. That's so important to know, because I think oftentimes as entrepreneurs, when we start, we think we're going to raise like a million dollars. And then, like you said, it's, so, it's true, because when you go into yes. it, you're like, I, I'm, I was like, oh, I thought I was going to make this much. And then when you don't, people get really discouraged. And they're like, I don't want to continue because it's not what I hope. And like you said, depending on what um, service you serve or what area you're working with, sometimes your your revenue will be 
higher in some seasons and lower, but it's just like how you continue to go and setting goals. So that's so important. Thank you for sharing that. And I want to touch base on some of the stuff that you said. You said, depending on the company you have, you're going to need different types of expenses. You're going to have different expenses and then you're going to have a certain amount of revenue coming in, which comes into play of how to manage your books and managing your books is so important as an entrepreneur. So I know people stress it. They get beat on the head. Tell them you got to manage your books. You got to track your finances. And I just want you to speak more on why is it so important and how does it impact your business? Sure. So, I mean, one thing I want to say is everyone has this million dollar dream. You know, if everyone was making a million dollars in the first year of their business, everyone would be a business owner. So, um, and so managing your books is important for a multitude of reasons. Um, first of all, if you don't manage your books, you don't really know exactly, you don't get to celebrate your wins. I mean, honestly, we could talk about all the nitty gritty stuff, but the first one I want to talk about is you don't get to celebrate your wins. Um, I have clients, you know, I have one here, he owns a market and he's in the day-to-day weeds every day. And so he just doesn't think that he's successful. Well, at the, you know, um, I'm working with him for two years to get the business started. So he was for two years, you know, getting his personal finances, getting funding, getting these loans, getting everything in place, um, started in 2019 and then 2020, of course, the pandemic hit. And so, you know, when we were talking In January, I'm like, hey, you know, you made $500,000 at a time where businesses are not making any money. And he didn't realize that, you know, he knew he was looking at the finances I sent on a monthly basis, but it's like, let's take a moment to pause and realize that you made $500,000 in the first year of your business. That is a huge win. Like, let's celebrate that. However, if you're not looking, if you're not looking at that information, you're just going along, you know, stressed out about this and stressed out about that and stressed out about this because you're not taking that moment to say, hey, look, I, look what I did. You know, even if you made $50 in the first month of your business, that's $50 more than what you had yesterday. We don't celebrate our wins enough as business owners. We're always talking about taxes and expenses and all these negative aspects. But for me, I look back at, you know, okay, what was I making in March of 2020, 2019? I've been in business now six years. Um, And so for me to look back at March of 2015, which is actually when I first started to today, it's like, oh, night and day. It feels good. It feels successful. So that is one of the number one reasons that you should keep track is so you can celebrate your wins. Um, The other reason is you always want to make sure that things are accurate. You know, so for example, if you're looking at your income, what if you missed sending an invoice to somebody because you weren't paying attention? I know when I first started, I did, it would be like three months later. How unprofessional is it for you to send an invoice after a couple of months expecting that person to just jump up and pay, you know? So now you're not looking like a professional business owner. And so you have to make the decision. Are you going to send it and hound that person for money, which takes time, or do you just let it go? So either way, either decision is just a stressful decision. So that's why you should be making sure you're keeping track. On the expenses side, you know, let's say you thought you canceled some subscription that is um, $100 a month. You thought you pushed the button, your internet glitched or, you know, it didn't process all the way. And so you're not paying any attention. A year later, when it's time to do your taxes, you realize you've given this, this business another $1,200, even though you hated the software, you've never touched it. That's 12 
hundred dollars that you've given because you have not been looking at your finances on a monthly basis. If you're looking at it constantly, you're like, oh, wait a second, this hundred dollars is still being charged. Let me make sure to cut this off. Um, same thing with credit cards. You know, we have credit cards. We don't really look at, you know, the interest that we're paying, how many hundreds of dollars a year that we're giving an interest for no reason for this random item that we purchased. And so if you're looking at it, not, if you're not paying any attention, you aren't making the money that you could be. You're probably spending more than you should be. Um, and so that's the key. I mean, even in your personal life, um, you know, I have a friend that goes to 7-Eleven all the time as if it's like the thing to do. And I'm like, you know how much money you're spending at 7-Eleven? And it's always this conversation that he's like, well, I'm only buying $2 here, $2 there, $2 here. And I said, okay, well, just give me your bank statement. I won't look at any of the income stuff. Let me just drop in what you spent at 7-Eleven. It was $700 for one month at 7 Yeah, for one month because it adds up. Those little things add up. We don't focus on, we always talk about like, you know, the Starbucks example, but it's true. You know, if you're not looking at it, yeah, it's $2 a day is not a lot or two, five, six. It's not a lot, but it adds up. And so once you are looking at these things, it kind of makes you think differently, operate differently, plan differently, budget differently, set different goals differently. And so that is some of the reasons as to why you should be looking at your finances and keeping track of them. Wow. And like you said, I'm a Starbucks queen. So I'll be, I was going all the time. No, I was just a refresher. Yeah. <laughs> and then yes. as you look back, it adds up so much and you don't know because it's a little out of time. It's not like you're dropping $700 at once. When you right. look at the month, you're like, wow, that money could have been used for something else. Yeah. And even if you are, here's the thing. I, during tax season, <laughs> you know, me and Uber, me and Uber Eats, you know, I should invest in it. But then I start to balance out also, not that you should not go to Starbucks or Uber Eats or anything because you can't, you have to live. But what I do is I look at it as, okay, you know, what is this extra fee that I'm getting charged to be delivered? Well, how much is that per hour? Okay, well, if I make significantly more per hour, then yes, I can justify the cost of using Uber Eats because I have to get dressed, go to this place, so on and so forth, you know, et cetera. So if I just push a button. I'm saving money in essence because I can still keep working and have the food delivered. So not that you should just cut out all of those things, but you can justify them if it's really something that's necessary or you can just order a Keurig or you can just, you know, cook, but you have to start looking at that stuff and it helps you with goal setting. You know, for me, if I hit my certain goals, then I reward myself. I'm a hardcore traveler. I miss traveling as much as I used to. Um, but if I say, okay, this month, if I make this goal, I give my team a bonus, but then, okay, now great. You can book this trip and not think about how much money you're spending because you made the money that you wanted to accomplish your goals. I, you know, I don't know about anybody else, but yeah, I, I love money. Me and money are best friends, but I want money so I can do certain things. And so if I make that money, I can do things and not feel guilty about it because I know what kind of income I know for the next year, what my income is going to be. I know what I forecasted. I know what I budgeted. So you can live a little bit without stressing. That's another reason why you should, you know, definitely keep track. It keeps your stress level down. That's awesome. That's so awesome. And trust me, if I could, I would definitely move to Vegas and come work for you and get some bonuses. <laughs> Um, which goes into what you shared is so important and is so helpful. And I know for me, I always take notes. And for example, for the entrepreneur listening to this, who maybe hasn't been uh, managing their finance budgets or really tracking their finances, or maybe they don't have the budget to do that. 
what are some tools and resources that are available to really help them starting today or move forward as they are just starting and they're on a very tight budget? Um, so the first thing is simply go into your bank account on a weekly basis. If, even if you are not ready to use any type of software, get into the habit, set it as a to-do task, put it on your mirror, put it on your phone as an alarm to simply, at step one, go into your bank account and look at the numbers, look at those expenses, look at how much you're spending on, you know, nails, hair, whatever, um, software services, look at the information. You know, a lot of times people just don't even pay any attention. They just know what their bank balance is, but they're not really looking at anything. So that is the first step is just getting to the mindset of looking at the information. Um, the second thing is there are, you know, look at, do webinars. So watch some webinars. It helps you to get in the mindset before you're able to get to that point where, you may know you need to hire a bookkeeper or accountant. And a lot of times people are like, well, why do I need to? If you're still asking that, why do I need to? Then you're not in the right mindset because you don't understand that having a bookkeeper or accountant will save you thousands of dollars in the long run, thousands and thousands of dollars because we're going to make sure that things are filed on time. So you're not getting those late notices. We're going to alert you if you didn't send out an invoice. We're going to do the, the um, collections piece for you so that the invoices will not, be late. We are going to figure out different ways for you to collect money. We're going to set up things on auto pay. We're going to do a lot more for you. That's going to free up time for you to grow your business. So if you're still asking why you're not at that mindset level yet. So watch some podcast, listen to some podcasts, watch some YouTube videos. One of my favorite podcasts is called, it's this one is entrepreneur on fire where he interviews a lot of entrepreneurs. And so, you know, they talk about finances. They talk about money a lot. He shares, you know, on his podcast, what the podcast made on a monthly basis, which is very honest of him, you know? So it really is getting into that business mindset and understanding as a business owner, you need someone to keep track of your money. You need someone who's going to help you do marketing. You need someone who's going to help you do customer service. That is how a successful business runs. If you are trying to do everything yourself, even though I have an accounting degree and finances and I'm HR certified and all these different great things, I still need a team of people to help me. I still have, you know, so it's really the first step is getting into the mindset the second step is looking at the information. The third step is then test, looking at you know different webinars and figuring out what the different software options are. I'm always going to say QuickBooks is the, is the best in essence overall, but there are some other free platforms such as you know Wave is free. Um, I think FreshBooks is like ten dollars a month. QuickBooks they have a ten dollars a month platform. So if you can't afford ten dollars a month. I, everybody can afford $10 a month. I mean, realistically, we, you can decide that once a week, you're not going to eat out. You're not going to go to Starbucks. You're going to cook at home. You're going to, you know, we all can figure, you can sell stuff. I mean, you know, for me, I used to sell stuff on Craigslist um, and I still do occasionally that's $10. There's a, so many different ways to make $10 a month. So if you can't justify, you know, getting a software program that's going to save you thousands of dollars, then you really need to first step is focus on your mindset before you can even decide that you're going to start tracking your finances. Yeah, that's so important. I think that's one of the reasons why, regardless on this podcast, we have conversations that people don't have. 
and because for step, different podcasts, they have different topics that they cover. And as we're going through the season, we're like, we have to talk about money. Mm-hmm. We have to address this issue. People are scared of money, but how do we provide a more positive outlook on money? It's not bashing you for all the things you didn't do, but really like, all right, how can we help you? And having this conversation, because sometimes people don't know what to do. Or maybe like you said, they might be like, I don't have the amount, starting a, a business, nobody's expecting you to pay an accountant this much money. But you know, like you said, there's different steps. You have to get innovative and get in the business and the money mindset of how are you going to be able to manage your books? Because if you don't manage your books well, there's so many opportunities you're losing out on. So this yes. is just so helpful. And like you said, you don't have to drop $100. You may have to sell something on Craigslist or eBay or sacrifice that $10 order at Starbucks, but invest it. You got to realize where your investment is coming. And as an entrepreneur, sacrifices are going to be made, but it's not a, it's a temporary sacrifice for a long-term gain. Exactly. And it's not a, you know, and it's not really a sacrifice. It's mm-hmm. your goal is it keeps your stress level down. I mean, think of it in the same way of your personal finances. You know, if there are people who every single month, all their bills are paid, they don't even think about it. Their car notes paid, uh, mortgage is paid. If they need, if their kid, you know, let's just be realistic. Life happens. I mean, it really does. Your kid gets sick and now all of a sudden you got to stop what you're doing and take them to the emergency room, even though you have a meeting at the same time, your car breaks down on the side of the road. Life, no matter how perfect you plan, life is going to happen. However, there's a difference. If your money, if you know exactly what your money is, if you have your money saved up for a rainy day, you know, every couple of years, your car, something's going to happen. You have insurance, you have things in place. When these things happen, you're just like, eh, car broke down. Let's go get it fixed. Huh? child needs extra pair of shoes. Let me just go buy the shoes. You're not stressed out because you understand what your money looks like. If you aren't looking at your money, your car breaks down. You're just in a tizzy, you're stressed. Everything's, oh my God, the world's taking over. And you don't even know if you're going to, you, you probably can't afford it, but you don't even know that because you haven't been looking at your numbers or if you can't afford that. And you know, every two years, cars are going to, yeah, you need to get oil change. Your kids are always going to need you, things you're always going to need. So number one thing that kills people is stress. Everything else, have, you know, like that, you have to keep your stress level down and money, no matter what it makes, it makes the world go around. We can all say money doesn't bring happiness. It, it does. It doesn't make you happy, but it keeps stress down on a whole different level. It allows people to do what they want to do. It allows me to, I love traveling. I get my, you know, mental, everyone needs a mental break when you are a business owner. Um, you know, even as accountants, sometimes we are therapists because we talk to a lot of different people about the stress of money. And so for me, I like to travel. Well, if I wasn't keeping track of my money, um, I wouldn't be able to travel as much as I do or understand logistics of how to make that work or, you know, okay, what type of laptop do I need? That's going to be powerful enough to wherever, no matter where I go, I can still bring it with me and get business done. So it really does become a mindset. Um, and another, you know, a book I want to recommend for people who are in the starting stages, I say, okay, well, you know, Phyllis, you may have already had money saved up and all this great thing. Read The Power of Broke by Damon John. And so he really talks about how he had no money and how, I mean, he is a million, million millionaire, you know? And so those stories are true about people who really had nothing, but turn nothing into something. And so you don't have to have a lot of money to make things happen, you know, um, the power of, t- I read a lot of books, 
because I don't know everything and no one's going to know everything. And so when I read other people's stories, I understand their logic. And, you know, once you do something at, once you master your finances, if you're making $20,000 a year, if you operate the same way when you're making 50, 100, a million, 10 million, <laughs> it's all the same process in essence, whether you're making 20,000 or a million. So if you master that 20,000, once you get to a million, it's the same thing. If you make 20,000 and you're spending 30 and people will say, well, how is that possible? Simple credit cards, loans. <laughs> you can always spend more than you have. When you make a million dollars, it's going to be the same process, which is why when this pandemic hit, there are people who are just like, yes, it's a pandemic. Yes, I may have lost my job or yes, I may not making, may, uh, make as much as I am, but I am not stressed out. So I already know I got, you know, I have enough savings to be okay for six to eight months or whatever many years. So if you haven't mastered it at a lower income level, you're not just having more money does not change how you operate. You're still going to operate the same exact way. So you don't have to have a lot of money to get started with your finances and mastering them. Wow. Thank you. Ladies, I'm telling you, she always drops gems. That's why I love talking to Phyllis. She makes talking about money so much more exciting. Um, you mentioned something relative to the pandemic. And as you know, last year, the pandemic has truly impacted entrepreneurs, whether it is entrepreneurs who are just starting or have been in business for a while. So I just want to talk about that being um, an accountant and everything you do relative to finances. What are some things that you've seen relative to how the pandemic has impacted entrepreneurs and their finance in the past year and what do you what are you seeing them relative to getting back on their feet so there's two types of entrepreneurs so there's the ones that were not ready who operate very um you know was already operating at a loss and didn't have their finances in order um and so when the pandemic hit it became this panic and i mean unfortunately depending on the type of the business that you owned you were impacted heavily. You know, if you're a restaurant owner or um, something where, you know, like a brick and mortar, no matter what, you're going to be affected. But what I saw and what I helped a lot of my clients do is quickly pivot. You have to always be ready. You know, so for me, I, when I started my business, I wanted it to be a remote-based business. So when the pandemic hit, for me, it didn't really change. <laughs> my operations actually helped me, you know, and it helped a lot of small business. There were a lot of people who benefited from it because they were online based. So for people who pivoted quickly, it helped because if you were a brick and mortar shop that sold clothing, okay, you know what, pop that thing on a website, let's sell these clothes to people, or, you know, let's pivot to, hey, we're going to be on Zoom all day. So um, if you sell makeup, you know, let's market that differently because we're on Zoom every single day now. So people who were able to quickly pivot benefited from it. People who were stuck in their way, um, just like, you know, Polaroid pictures, they were never able to pivot. A lot of these companies, if you don't kind of hurry up and figure out what the next trend is going to be, you're not going to be ready. So I always say, yes, there was a pandemic. There's no way we could have forecasted this. But um, for those of you who are, you know, a little bit older or understood that in 2008, there was a market crash. No one could predict that, you know, 9-11 happened. No, there's a lot of things are always going to keep happening. And so I tell people, yeah, there's a pandemic and five years from now, there's going to be, there's always going to be something. And so you always have to be ready for that something. So when COVID hit, 
one of the things that started happening were all of these SBA loans and PPP loans and all these grant, a lot of grants, a FedEx grant, um, a lot of businesses started doing grants, loans, fundings. And you had two types of businesses. One that were already up and going, who already had their finances, most of my clients, um, we were able just to submit for the PPP loan, get the get that, you know, and make it happen. We were able to submit for the SBA loan. They understood, which is the key. They understood how these things worked because even today, people are not understanding that these loans are not something that you just get and it's okay. And you're just, you know, they don't, a lot of people don't understand it's a loan that you have to pay back. They're not looking at the interest rates on these loans. They are, you know, just getting these loans, have no idea what they're going to do with it. They haven't put a budget in place for it. Haven't put any thought process into it. Not realizing that you're really tied to this until you pay it back, that the IRS is going to, if you don't pay this back, the IRS is going to take any and every cent of money that you have coming to you for all of eternity. Not understanding that, you know, you had a lot of people who are telling you that they can help you with the PPP loan, but not telling you how to get that forgiven so you don't have to repay it back. Um, you know, so it's back to the mindset of making sure everything's in order so that when these grants popped up, there are so many people who were able to just quickly apply for these grants, which you do not have to pay back because they already had their profit and loss statement. That's what a lot, of, I mean, number one, when you're applying for any loan, grant, whatever you want to call it, they want to look at your money. They want to look at how you how you keep track of your money personally and businessly. So same thing for me as a person who does taxes. I have clients where tax season is just another day. They don't even, it's not anything stressful. I do their taxes. I process it. We go, we have a meeting. They push the button. We're happy. We move on because they know I've been doing their accounting throughout the entire year. I talk about taxes throughout the entire year with them. They already know if they're going to owe. They already know if they're going to get a refund because we look at it throughout the entire year. It's not some big every year thing. So same thing with the pandemic. Yes, there's no way we could have predicted this. However, once it did happen, um, there was a lot of client, there are a lot of people who run online businesses that were able to pivot quickly and benefit. Um, there are a lot of people who had full-time jobs that always wanted to start a business and were able to now sit down and focus on that. Um, there are a lot of people who start, you know, there's a lot of people who started businesses during this pandemic who are doing really well. I don't want to focus so much on the negative because unfortunately there's always going to be, you know, things that are going to happen with the pandemic that we have no control over, but there are things that it made us all slow down and really look at what we wanted to accomplish in life. And I think that although the pandemic was a horrible, it still is a thing that, you know, it's just always it's going to be for the next couple of years, but it helps you to slow down and kind of focus on what your goals are and how to make it happen. Wow, that's really great. And I think, like you said, it's about, especially when you're applying for those loans, like I know I do a lot of work with grants, your mm -hmm. finances are so important. And especially some grants, you just, it's basic. You just do like a page or so just submit your profit and loss sheet. But there are some other grants that are a lot more extensive and it might yes. require like an interview. And when you do that interview relative to the grant, of course, they ask you a question about who you are, what you do, what you need the money for. But they look so heavily at your budget and your finances. Like mm -hmm. they might spend like if the interview is like 30 minutes, they might spend like 10 minutes on like who you are, what you do, you know, why you want the money. And then they will like hawk at your finances. They're like, oh, I see this shift from this time to that time, like what happened? So you yes. have, like you said, you have to be very clear and know your finances because if they can determine like if you're BSing or if you don't know, 
So you, and also you have to be transparent. Yes. Transparency is so important to say, hey, you know, that was a time that a job, like maybe we didn't know this was coming in or we had to make a shift or we had owned this loan. But one thing I know, especially with grantors is that they are very, because they want to know where the money is going. Yes, yes, yes. Because I know you work with nonprofits and that's one of the things that people may own nonprofits. When you get these grants, they're giving you money and they want to know how are you going to spend it? Um, and what you said was so true is that same thing with the business plan. You know, you write up a business plan and your goal is to get funding from investors or from a loan or from, you know, a grant. And I have worked with people to do business plans and I've worked with people to get the funding for it. And I help them get ready for those interviews because just like you said, yeah, they spend 10 minutes on, you know, okay, you want to start a bookkeeping business. Great. All right. I see uh -huh, you. This is what your target market is this. This is great. Here's your, your market share. Okay. So now let's look at this budget that you put together. Like, let's really look at these numbers. They spend more time on numbers than any other anything. So even if you have, and this is really key, you may have a bookkeeper, a CPA, and an accountant and a whole team, you still need to understand the information. And so for me as um, an accounting company, you know, on a monthly basis, I send my clients their financials. Now, do all of them look at it? No. But <laughs> when it's time for them to do something where I may not, I can be available to help them, but let's really read these numbers. I make them understand how to read these numbers. I have a client who owns a restaurant. She's in the process of trying to franchise. So she has to under, so I've helped her to understand each line item, how to read this, how to communicate that, because even if I'm in the meeting, this is still her business. They want to make sure that she understands, okay, so this is what's your income. It increased by this. It dropped down by this. Sales tax, employees, your employees are how much percentage of your income? You need to be able to quickly answer those questions. You know, think of it as like, if you watch Shark Tank, they spend maybe 10 minutes doing a presentation on that product but then when they're like, okay, I need $500,000 for 2%, you need to be able to quickly calculate how much you think that company is worth. Because they're like, wait, your company's worth how much? $10 million? You need to understand that. Okay, well, what is equity? You need to understand all of those different terms. Like watch Shark Tank. They spend, especially Kevin O'Leary, he spends a lot of time asking a lot of questions about, okay, so I want to do this, but your product costs how much and what, how much does it cost to make? How much are you selling it for? What is your profit margin? What is your equity? What is your income? What is your potential growth market? Why did you come up with this? Who's on the board? Well, you only own 10% of the business. Who owns the other 80%? Why aren't they here? All those questions, I mean, they come rapidly. You see a piece of it on that show, but those episodes are taped for hours. They are grilling those people. So when you watch an episode of Shark Tank, you see 10 minutes of a piece of something that literally lasted hours. And so you cannot, I mean, yes, everyone doesn't know everything. I don't know everything, but you need to be prepared to understand because this is your business. And so opportunity, 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 opportunity. You know, you have to be ready to take advantage of opportunities. You will never know if you're sitting there, you know, at a restaurant having a conversation, you may say, oh, I own a business. Um, I create websites. I just got started, but I build websites. Someone may walk up to you and say, hey, I heard that you build websites. I would love for you to send me a quote. How much do you charge? 
if you can't immediately come up with the answer or say, hey, I can send you an invoice right now, you know, to get started, you may be missing out on your opportunity. So that's why you really need to understand your numbers so that you don't miss out on opportunities that are going to be available to you. That's such a great question because I love Shark Tank. Honestly, let me back, <laughs> fast forward. The reason I really got into business was watching Shark Tank. I think they're, I don't know what season they're on, but I used to watch it religiously on Friday nights. And I love Mr. Wonderful Kevin. Um, mm -hmm. I love Kevin because I love all the other sharks too, but there was something about him that was like, oh snap, if I'm going into business, I need to know my numbers. I need to know my forecast, especially when people are asking like, oh, I'm asking for like 700,000 for 10% of my company. And you're like, whoa, what? Like you got to be able to come. And I love how you say that because for you, you have a love of numbers. You grew up like your mom and your dad. For many of us, you know, for me, I was a, I'm a social science person. I love traveling, like I was really into international relations. So numbers used to intimidate me. But as I grew to be an entrepreneur, I was like, and I watched Shark Tank, I was like, oh my God, I would not even survive two minutes on that show. I had to, and I don't have a business background. I had to really educate myself. So whether it was like Google taking webinars, listening to podcasts, watching Shark Tank religiously and, I, and taking programs and certifications for me to understand my numbers because I can't just rely on my accountant my CPA or my bookkeeper as an entrepreneur, you said something so important. And it's for everyone. You need to know your numbers. You have to know your books. And that's how sometimes when people are like, wow, somebody embezzled money in my account, uh, um, in my company, you're like, well, did you know how much you were making? Did you know that these documents are being forged? Like you have yes. to know. And especially like I'm telling you when it comes to grants and loans or just being able to, in general, you need to take that accountability like you can't be as a business owner or ceo you can't be so far away from your staff as well whether yes. it's just your finances or even operation or customer service because you have to be able to have like all your ducks in a row you can't just be like oh well i made the money and i hire people i can't i'm not as involved anymore yes you know you have to be and that's what people love like and if you're trying to be successful all these things have to be set into place but like you said numbers are so important you have to be able to find that joy in numbers to not only celebrate what you do celebrate your team but also be able to look like okay 2015 this is what i was making in march this is how far i've come and it really helps you to see the growth of your business because like i say people are scared of numbers because you don't want to see where you're falling short but like you said you're going to miss out on so many opportunities if you don't know your numbers because when you miss those deadlines for grants and loans you got to wait yeah. until the next round. But if you had your stuff in order, you would have just been able to apply. And like we say, loans, you have to pay them back. Grants, you don't. But even some grant process is just as extensive. Mm -hmm. It's not like free money and you're good to go. You have to know your stuff. And um, I think my last question, just to not go over time, is we didn't really touch base on tax season. Um, so I want to know, like, Phyllis, it's tax season right now, right? What are some things that you're seeing right now? And especially, for example, for this entrepreneur who is scared of numbers or maybe don't have their numbers in order or maybe have some ideas, what are at least three important tips that you can share with her relative to surviving tax season right now? Honestly, the first, first and foremost is hire somebody. If you're a small business owner, hire someone to do your taxes. And I, the reason I say that is because 
right now the tax laws are changing by the hour, it seems like. I mean, right smack in the middle of tax season, two things happened. You know, one was great. They um, $10,000 of unemployment is now no longer taxable. Okay, that happened right in the middle of tax season. Um, they also pushed back the deadline to May 15th. So you as a business owner, it's smart to just hire someone who is going to stay on top, who's required. I am required to understand and stay on top of these laws. So that is my expertise. That's all I'm focused on right now is making sure that all of these different changes, I'm communicating to my, my clients, um, you know, hey, we're going to wait until this pushes through. Great. Okay. Now it's done. You should hire someone who's an expert. There's no way, unless you spend a lot of time looking at tax taxes, do not go on Facebook. So many people say, I heard this, I heard that, I heard this. As a tax professional, we get information directly from the IRS. We have access to things that Facebook people or Facebook friends do not have. It is going to save you so much more money in the long run to do it accurately. The second thing that I would say is... Um, Look at, pull the information. So, you know, pull your business bank account, bank statements. Um, if you work from your home office, just start pulling in every single thing that you've done for your business. Put it in a folder, put it in your Dropbox, put it online. Um, if you didn't have an accounting software, that's the second thing. The third thing is after you, once you have your taxes done by a professional, or even if you still decide to do it yourself, make sure you meet with them. Understand two things. What does your tax return look like? Make sure you understand each aspect of it, how it all flows in, and then how to improve for 2021. What decisions should you be making now so that in 2022, you're not kind of flustered with the information so that you're now accomplishing the goals that you're trying to achieve? Wow. Wow. That is so good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. This was so good. Oh my God. I feel like we need to have a part two and Phyllis, you definitely need to come back for season two. And hopefully next time we could break it down into um, two episodes because I like part one and part two, because this was so much. And so there you have it. How to master your finances like a boss. Thank you, Phyllis, for joining us today on today's episode of the Balance CEO podcast. We would be remiss if we did not give you an opportunity to let our CEO audience know how to get you get in touch with you and show you some love. Phyllis, can you tell our CEOs how they can connect with you? Sure. So I'm on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, um, LinkedIn, under pkjconsulting.com. If you go to my website, www.pkjconsulting.com, you can book a consultation with me, or you can send an email to info at pkjconsulting.com. I look forward to hearing from you. And thank you for this opportunity. I am excited and happy to be here today. No, thank you for being here. You know, when I first met you, I knew we had to get you on here. And like I said, for season two, we're going to do like two parts. We're going to figure out how to break it down because there's so much that people just need to know. So CEOs, be sure to follow and connect with Phyllis. She is such a valuable resources. And like I said, today was gems after gems after gems after gems. As always, today was an amazing conversation, but it doesn't end here. Keep it going and share this episode and all its gems with the phenomenal women in your lives. Even if they don't have a business, it's so important to take some aspects to incorporate in their personal finances as well. So in a world of competition, be the inspiration. Until next time, thank you for joining us on the Balance CEO podcast.
Thank you for joining us this week on the Balanced CEO Podcast. Check us out on our website at anchors.com. That is anchors, A-N-K-O-R-Z dot com. Or look us up on social media at Anchors LLC for more information about us and today's podcast. As always, subscribe to Spotify and iTunes to catch each episode. And leave us a review wherever you're listening from so we can continue to give you new, fresh content. See you next time. Thank you.